you have your Bible, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 20, uh, verses 27 to chapter 12, verse 9. Genesis 11, starting with verse 27 here, now the reading of God's holy word. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you guys know this better than me. <laughs> Please stand for the reading of God's word. Oh, I'm the disrespectful one here. Um, my apologies. Hear now the reading of God's word, starting with verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Oh, well, right before, um, during the greeting time, Becky came up to me and said, why do you, why are you dressed like a normal person today? Um, and it's because I'm not, it's because I'm not preaching. Um, uh, I have the privilege of inviting and introducing our guest speaker, uh, Brian Park. He is a dear friend of mine. Uh, as many of you know, I, I love preaching. I love preaching to you. And so I'm kind of maybe overly protective of this pulpit. I don't like to share it too much. Um, and so, you know, when we have a guest speaker, that means uh, this brother um, the brother that we're calling, the brother that we're inviting, uh, is someone I trust dearly to handle the word of God and to proclaim and preach Christ and um, minister the gospel to our souls. And so 
I'm very excited to introduce Brian. Brian serves as the director of University Mich uh, Ministries and is responsible for training and developing uh, college students at Metro Church that meets in East Falls. Uh, Brian is a native Philadelphian. He received his Bachelor in, of Science in Education at Temple, and then uh, we actually entered Westminster Seminary together, and then we graduated by the grace of God together. Uh, and he has a deep passion for gospel renewal in Philadelphia, uh, particularly in their plan and vision for multiple sites and church plants all throughout uh, Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia, and even into South Jersey. Uh, just as a plug-in, you know, occasionally uh, during the prayer time, we love to pray for other churches uh, because of the kingdom, you know, that we are partnered with together. And so um, if you have friends who are moving into Philadelphia, um, if they're anywhere near Lansdale, tell them to come to Cornerstone. But if they're in the city, um, we hi I highly recommend Metro Church. Uh, it's a gospel-preaching church. They exalt Jesus Christ there, and the believers there uh, know what it means to have experienced the grace of God and share the grace of God. And so with that, I'm very excited. Let's welcome Brian to the pulpit to preach God's word to us. Um, I want to say thank you for that very uh, warm welcome. Um, you know, grateful uh, for my time uh, being here. Um, funny, right before I got here, uh, right before during that time of uh, fellowship and the extending of peace, a young lady came up to me and said, oh, you're preaching today. I was like, I, I am. She said, oh, well, we like Andrew. <laughs> and said, hopefully you can do as well as him. And I said, well, I mean, I might as well sit back down. I ain't got no shot. Um, Andrew is a, is a dear brother of mine, a very gifted speaker. I always joke um, about Andrew that you know he get at, he gets asked to preach at like you know 35 retreats per year. I have like three under my belt for my entire preaching ministry. Um, you know, but what a uh, so it is a real honor uh, for me to be here. I know he uh, values the preaching of the word on such a high level. So when he asked me to preach, um, I was humbled. Um, and beyond that, if I could just share, um, incredibly grateful uh, for your pastor. Um, he has been a dear brother to me um, many, many years now. Uh, met him at Westminster, you know, and uh, he was the one that was just kind of walking with me, uh, not just academically, but personally as well. He moved fast forward a little bit, went through some seasons in my life, and he was a faithful brother. And just to see him in gospel ministry, uh, partaking in this church and uh, loving the people, and you know, even now, every once in a while, even in our busy lives, we can come and gather and just chill with a drink in our hand, just talk about life and ministry. Um, those are some of the greatest joys. So when I say it is a great joy to uh, be with you all today, um, it is from the bottom of my heart. And if I can say this, just want to say thank you and lift up a prayer of thanksgiving for this church. Um, as I mentioned, there are a lot of seasons in my life. And during those seasons, Cornerstone um, was a big part of that. Even before this building, even before seeing, you know, even the people that are in this room right now, um, Cornerstone 
in the heartbeat of this ministry um, was such a big part of my life and, and my renewal and God working through it. So when I say I do lift up a prayer of thanksgiving and the brothers from Metro Church, in light of just brotherhood and partnership, we do say we lift up a prayer of thanksgiving for everyone here. With that said, I want to ask that you would join me in prayer as we dive into the word this morning. Lord, we uh, lift this time up to you. What an honor, what a joy it is this morning uh, to just be under your word. And how forgetful I am, uh, Lord, of your word and your grace through it and the power that is given to us when we hear it. So, Lord, at this time, we pray, Lord, that you would... Um, uh, allow us to listen that where we are in brokenness and suffering and sin and in season, um, that in that position, Lord, God, we would hear you clearly. And at this time, I pray that you would be with your people. I pray that you will uh, allow them to hear, not me, uh, but it will just be your word and word alone. I pray that you will use me as a speaker of the word. Uh, I pray that you will allow me to, to uh, just be used by you. Uh, I pray that you would allow me to be an, instru an instrument within the Redeemer's hands. So this morning, may you use me accordingly to your strength. We thank you. In your son's name you pray. Amen. Amen. In the past few years of pastoral ministry that God has called me to, um, I've often heard many stories of hope and renewal. I have seen and heard stories where um, there is now just a, a understanding of, of God's grace, the sovereignty of God in their lives, and now there is a, a new sense of joy, an understanding of hope, a, a position of renewal. But in all of those stories, which I am so thankful for, there's one common theme throughout all of it. And that common theme is that this, that's this path on to renewal, this path to hope, this path to a greater joy, the commonality is that it starts in a very difficult way, that the path is never easy. What I've seen in these stories of hope and renewal is that it always comes in a, a radical disposition of brokenness. That it always comes into a position of suffering. That it always comes into a position of sin and in season. So how it kind of starts off is this reality that there's maybe a, a broken relationship or maybe there's this high level of betrayal and mistrust and even some circumstances, yes, there's cases of, of, of physical pain and emotional abuse and suffering. And it's often in these moments, there's this just high level of brokenness, seasons of suffering, clouds of depression, if you will. 
And as I was preparing this message, I, I got to be honest with you. I had this. Uh, I was originally going to preach the sermon in one certain way. Um, I still believe I'm being faithful to the text, but God kind of convicted me to preach it in a certain way. And as I was preparing, as I was praying for uh, Cornerstone Presbyterian, it just led me to this conviction and the heartbeat of what I'm trying to say today is this. Maybe what I just shared about your seasons, maybe that is you right now. And I just felt convicted to simply say is that God is calling you. God is calling you right now. And God is calling you to something much greater. He's calling you to a greater hope in your brokenness. God is calling you to a greater glory within your shame. And God is calling you to a greater healing to your suffering. Why do I say this? I believe that when God is calling you to him, it's often through seasons. And I just want to encourage us right now that if you are in that season, I know it's looking a little bleak. I know it's looking a little cold. I know the winter seems a little long or the winter is coming, if you will. But I just want to let you know that God most certainly is and he will be working in your season. This morning, we're going to talk about God's calling, and specifically, we're going to see this through one known as Abraham. And the main point I'm going to get across is this, that God is calling, to, calling you to him, and in him, there is a renewed hope, that there is a renewed identity, and through him, there is a new agenda. So those are the three points for us as we navigate through God's calling to Abraham. It's going to be God's call calling us, excuse me, to a new hope, a new identity, and finally, a new agenda. Hope, identity, agenda. First point, a new hope. Now, what's happening? Here in the end of Genesis chapter 11, we are introduced to one known as Abraham. He was Abraham. Abraham uh, would be the one that God makes a covenant with. In scripture, it tells us that in God's covenant with Abraham, that all the nations will be blessed through his family. In other words, Abraham was simply just a really big deal. In fact, Abraham is of great significance all throughout the world religions. We see that the three major world faiths, they all recognize Abraham as a first prophet. When you look at Abraham, you see that his life was big. And many would often see the blessings of it. But I think it's so interesting that is what's often is so neglected is that prior to these blessings that are given to Abraham is there's a reality that there is a despairing circumstance that seems to go against this promised blessing to Abraham and through Abraham. How do we know this? If we look in Genesis Specifically, chapters 1 through 11, chapters 1 and 2, we see God create man for his good and for his glory. But in chapter 3, what we see is the fall and the sin. And after chapter 3, we see now a spiraling down of the human race. That as chapter goes after chapter, there's an increase in overall brokenness. That as we progress chapter by chapter, there's more violence, there's more 
more corruption, there's more jealousy, there is more evil. But throughout this violence, throughout all of the brokenness and the suffering, what do we see? That there is going to be this one line of hope, this one ray of hope through a single family line. What does the Bible tell us? That it would be through the family of Seth. Now, through the family of Seth, we see verse 27 of chapter 11. What do we see? That we are introduced to one known as Terah. But here's what's interesting about this family. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, it says, God says, Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived behind the river and worshipped other gods. So if I could just make this plain just a little bit, what is Joshua saying? That Terah and his family were idol worshippers. They lived in Ur, which was the center of idol worship. Meaning this, that the last family that knew anything about Yahweh, the God of Israel, is actually going away from true worship. So it's in this spiraling down of humanity, a closing call to humanity, if you will. Now, in the end of chapter 11, you're introduced to one known as Abraham. Now we're thinking, great, right? There's hope, right? But I want us to look at verse 30 because it's not so clear. Verse 30, it says, Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. So what's happening? The one that Abraham marries was unable to have children. But what's the point? The Bible, the God of Israel, he says to Abraham, you will be a blessing, but through a child. But Abraham, the reality was that he was unable to have children. One commentator, he says it this way when referring to his, her barrenness, that in many ways her barrenness, it represents hopelessness, no future, and a dead end to humanity. So as we're diving into Genesis chapter 11, this is the end. The story should have been over. This should have been the last chapter. This was the flickering candle light. This was the TKO of human history. And as we navigate through Abraham, just simply asking, do you ever feel this hopeless? Maybe you are this hopeless. Maybe there's a despair so overwhelming that you're wondering if this call to God is even worth it. Or maybe you're not a believer and you're saying, that's exactly why I want to partake in it. This was a situation for humanity. This was for Abraham. And in this moment, they are hopeless. But what does God tell us? Just as he tells us right now, he tells Abraham, look at chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord has said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. In this moment, I'm kind of picturing Abraham just kind of sitting in a corner, just hands over his head down, weeping, crying, hopeless. And it's in this moment 
God calls Abraham. What does this tell us? That God and only God can call us to a brand new hope. And what I love about this hope is that it is from the very voice of God and his voice alone. Look at Abraham. What is he doing? Is he actually doing anything practical? No. There's nothing he is doing. In his physical ability, he is now 75 years old. His wife is barren. So that means there's nothing physically that he can do to make anything happen. There's no, there's no pill that can get him up, if y'all know what I'm trying to say, only the Holy Spirit can do something. <laughs> I can take that off the podcast. <laughs> Edit that. But y'all get the picture. There's nothing physically he can do to make anything happen. But that's the point. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it tells us that God, he's the author and perfecter of our faith, meaning that he has actually created circumstances and situations perfectly to place you in a position where you no longer want to hear a lie, but in a disposition where you just want to hear the sweet whispers of our loving God. So when he does call you, you absolutely have no option but to hear. In other words, without him calling you by a pursuing grace, you and I are spiritually dead with no hope. Ephesians chapter 2, 8, verse 8, it tells us that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not from yourselves, it is the very gift of God. Looking here, there is nothing that Abraham did to deserve this blessing. There's nothing on his hands to get him out of this situation. Now you guys are saying, wait, wait, but he was in the family of hope. But remember that Joshua tells us that this family of hope was in idol worship. See, just as God, God caused Abraham from a hopeless situation to a renewing hope, God is most certainly calling you from spiritual death to spiritual life. What does that tell us? That it's only the call of God that brings transformative power into your life. It's only the call of God that helps you see hope in the most stubborn of darkness. It's only the call of God that helps you see purpose in this immeasurable amount of of suffering is only the call of God that can bring renewal in the most incalculable amount of brokenness. And the simple question as you dive into the realities of the depths of your hearts is asking you is, what is God right now trying to call you out of? In what ways must you acknowledge that your life is looking a little bit like Genesis chapter 1 through 11? That's a spiraling down of your soul. In what ways do you need a little bit of chapter 12 hope in you? And rather than just submerging in your sorrow, something that we're all accustomed to do if we're honest, rather than allowing sin to destroy you, which we're all capable of if we're honest, would you simply just consider that God is priming you to hear his voice and calling you to get up? Get up. Get out. He's calling you to a new hope.
right now he's calling you out of darkness he's calling you out of it but what i love is that just as he's calling you out he's also calling you in that's our second point he's giving us a new identity look at verse two and three with me i will make you into a great nation and i will bless you i will make your name great and you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you i will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you now what do we see here we see that in light of god calling abraham to get out now in verse two and three god is promising abraham many blessings specifically what do we see that god is going to bless abraham into a new nation he's going to have a great name he's going to bless him with divine protection God is promising Abraham many things and let me say this I do believe that God will bless you with many things we don't just call it sheer luck we call it grace and that he blesses us in grace but if I could be honest I just want us to be clear in what I mean by he promises us blessings what do I mean is it an injustice to the sovereignty of God and in this passage if you just say that this is a theological foundation for prosperity I don't want us to just look at this passage justifying your treat yourself behavior God is blessing you with something far greater he doesn't just he doesn't want us to just settle See, this passage is not saying financial blessing and physical well-being uh, just as a strict will of God for you. This is not a passage about faith and offering and that if you do so, it will increase your material wealth. This is not what the text is saying. This text is not saying that if you have faith in God, he's going to deliver financial security and prosperity. It does not promise that. Rather, when God calls Abraham to many blessings, God is reminding Abraham of a more holistic blessing. What God is promising Abraham, when God calls Abraham to a blessing, he's essentially calling him to a whole new identity. That's why we see in this passage, he is Abram, meaning father, but later, as the chapters progress, he is Abraham, the father of all nations. God is calling you to something much greater than what we see. God is calling you to a whole new identity. One commentator, he specifically says it this way when he talks about this fourfold. This fourfold blessing, a blessing of nationhood, a blessing of a great name, divine protection, and being a blessing is a foretelling promise that echoes royal ideology. What do I mean? If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 9, in reference to the promise given to King David is a very similar language. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. In other words, God's calling to you is a promise not necessarily of material blessing, 
but rather his primary blessing is of a great name that will be upon you. It will be the assurance of life. It's not the assurance of your Gucci. It's not the assurance of your Prada and your BMWs. It's a promise far greater. It's a promise of a coming king, the ruling of his kingdom, the promise out of salvation, and it offers in an abundance of everlasting joy. What does this tell us? It tells us that blessing is far greater than what we see right now. He's calling us to a whole new identity, family. That we are no longer in death, but there is now life. That you are not just a sinner, but you are a sinner saved by grace. That in Jesus, you are no longer broken, but in brokenness, we find renewal. Are y'all tracking with me? See, the reason why you and I have this newfound identity as sons and daughters, God's ambassadors, if you will, is not necessarily because of Abraham, nor is it through his son Isaac. It's not even in what you find in 2 Samuel, which I, what I just shared of King David. But identity is new and restored because we find it in the one that gave up his identity on the cross, Jesus Christ. See, it's through Jesus, you and I, we have a new identity. It's through Jesus that you and I are redeemed. It's through Jesus that you can live by grace today, and now you can live with hope for tomorrow. See, it's in Christ, and God's call, calling of new hope and new identity. It's only through him that you are restored and you are renewed. And here's the thing, let me tell you about this renewal and restoration, this new identity, is that as you grow in his identity, you grow in his security. And as you grow in security in Jesus, what that will do is that it will help you acknowledge the things and the worldly blessings that you often find security in. And when you kind of reverse that with the power of the gospel, that grip, that stronghold, it slowly fades away. See, if we're honest, right, every single person in this room, we're kind of gripped by something, and it kind of gives us great security. It makes us feel secure, right? It gives us our purpose, right? We think about wealth. We think about family. We think about future protection. We think about uh, relational status and being in relationship. And those are wrong things. In fact, those are great things. But you gotta just ask a simple question. Is this your ultimate security? Are you exchanging this blessing for the one who has blessed you? You know, it's a thin line between promise and prosperity. And what the gospel does is that it reverses the expectation of these blessings. See, the power of the gospel convicts us to leave the things that we find security in because we find our ultimate worth in him. See, look at Jesus on the cross. Jesus Christ was also called to leave 
He left his father's house. He left all of his security and he went to the deepest unknown territory that you can imagine. Abandonment from the father. Why? So that he could pay the penalty of sin. Jesus Christ, he answered the ultimate call to experience the deepest amount of pain and suffering, which is separation from God, so that you and I can live in full assurance under a blanket of grace which covers you. And nothing can separate you from the very love of God. Jesus Christ, he went out for you so you can go out for him. He gave up his security so that you can give up your small securities because your greatest security is through him. What happens is through that blessing of a promise, it shapes how you live today. You begin to live with a little bit of boldness. You surrender yourself. You think of yourself less. Look at Abraham. Abraham, he found his identity and now in God's calling to be a nation and it allowed him giving up his security of being in his household. He found his identity in God's calling him for him to have a great name but then he can now give up his security of being known in a familiar territory. He found his identity in God's calling for a new mission, and he gave up his security of the comfort that he actually had. See, just as God calls you and I out of darkness, the calling out, he also calls you in. But what I love about the Bible and what I love about what the gospel says is that not only does he tell you that you are now in, but he also tells you to go. And that is our third and final point, that God, he gives us a new agenda. Look at verse four and five with me. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired her in Haran. And he set out in the land of Canaan and they arrived there. What does it say? Verse 5, it tells us that Abraham went as the Lord commanded him. So not only was he out, he was brought in, but he was now told to go. He was a sojourner. He was traveling, and he left much behind. See, when God invites us to himself, he also gives us a radically new agenda. When God takes us out, he brings us in. He doesn't tell us to just settle. He doesn't just to say, be content with where you are, but you are practically called to move forward in light of God's mission. That your new life in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus and his saving grace and what he has done for you, and now you are once spiritually dead and now you are in new life, it means that you are called to move forward. Your life in Jesus is not meant for spiritual cruise control. I, I know Tesla's tell us a little bit different these days. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. Look at Abraham. Verse 31, he says they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Why is this important? Ur literally meant land of his family. What's the point? That he gave up the security of the family which meant everything in ancient times so that he could partake in a brand new agenda that was given from God to him. 
Hebrews chapter 11 summarizes Abraham's pursuit in God's calling. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Consider this with me. Abraham had to leave his country. Not only did he had to leave his country, he had to put it in work. He had to make tents. He had to be a foreigner. He had to be a soldier in light of unknown territory. Why? For the sake of mission. Most commentators, they say that they argue that this was an imperative. This was a test of faith. And that Abram was called to give up all that he holds dear for an unknown land, but it was promised by God. See, when you live in light of the gospel, you understand it's not about what you always want. We grow up, we're trained, we are raised to just do anything and everything to find security. But the gospel calls us to something much different. The gospel calls us to find security in him. And in that, in every shape or form, there should be a waging war in your soul. And that waging war should be against all selfishness. It should be against all self-centeredness. And it should be against all self-justification. When you're living according to the gospel and it has convicted you, it means to get out. It means to be radically challenged, to not fit God in your old agenda, but because of a renewed understanding in the gospel, you understand there is a whole new agenda. And it's far greater than the agendas that you and I have for ourselves. Cornerstone question for us this morning. In God's call, are you living in light of his mission? Are you living in mission? Because that's what, that's what Abraham is doing. Now, what I love about this notion of mission is a small detail. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. If you look at four, verse 4 and 5, we see that Abraham went, right? But look at what happens. What does he do? He brings Lot, which Abraham was his uncle, and of course he brought wifey with him. He brought Sarah with him. What does that tell us? It tells us something about missional living. It tells us this, that missional living is to be done within the context of community and is to be done within your own community. Right? To have a new agenda is, uh, it means to be living out your call. And the question for us is, in what ways do you need to be more missional? Simple question, right? And before we get all excited and be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, uh, a different country, I'm like, well, you're in Lansdale, you know, some of you guys may be further as, I don't know, uh, North Wales, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how far you guys are going out. But a simple question, are you living missionally? here in the city of Lansdale? I'm gonna add one layer on top of that. Are you being missional within your church community? I'm gonna add another layer. Are you being missional within the closest relationships that are surrounding you? I mean, some of us, we, we're so quick to just go overseas to be missional. But y'all ain't even missional in your household. 
And what I mean by that is I'm not saying, oh, oh, hey, boo, I feel called to overseas. No, I'm not talking about that type. I'm talking about being missional to your spouse. I'm talking about being missional to your friends. You know, I, I notice at times, you know, people come together in friendships, and, you know, it's fun. I'm so encouraged about, you know, Cornerstone and a young adult ministry that's growing, and it's growing. I see it. I see it all on the IG. It's blowing up on my feet. I'm about to unfollow y'all. <laughs> and I see it. I see the growth. I see the new life. It's fairly new, is it not? I'm telling y'all right now, if y'all just settle in contentment of comfort, rest, and peace, that will fade out terribly. Because there are going to be times when sin and suffering seasons will abound. And not only will it affect the person that is around you, it will probably be directed towards you. Y'all feel me? Where's the mission in that? How will you be missional as you move forward? When I look at the city of Lansdale, what I loved about Cornerstone is that you were so intentional about going, and y'all went. Because there's a conviction that God has called you to it. You moved. How are we being missional in the context of Lansdale? God gives us a new agenda to live out your call right now. He's calling us to be missional. And that's my encouragement for all of us this morning. See, if I'm honest, there are some seasons in my life that really shook me up. Times when uh, there's a lot of despair in my life. I wonder where does my hope come from? And there are points where I doubt us. I don't know if God is going to do that for me right now. But I guess for whatever reason, he just kind of wanted to hold on to me, cling on to me. So nah, I got you. And a big part of that visibly, intentionally, and presently at the Torn's time was actually through this ministry. So I'm very thankful for the ministry that's to be done at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. And that's my encouragement for us this morning. Will you continue to do so? That will you continue to live in light of missional intentionality, that there is a new gen agenda set forth, not only for your personal life, but there is a new missional agenda as a, as a church so that you can offer a new identity and that you can offer a new hope. It's nothing that you manufactured yourselves, but it was because of the grace of God that he gave it to you. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Um, Lord, uh, we want to lift up our time to you this morning. And I'm incredibly grateful, Lord, of the ministry that's being done uh, here through Andrew, through the elders and the deacons and the leaders of this church. And Lord, there's a lot of work to be done. And I pray, Lord, that will be the root word that will just convict us a little bit more to be more intentional 
uh, with the people that are surrounding us. But Lord, that cannot be manufactured. We can't create that on our own. It has to be you calling us. So Lord, I just want to pray for everyone in this room right now. I'm convinced that after seasons of, of life that there is just so much brokenness that we are experiencing. Lord, I believe that there is so much suffering that we just kind of blanket over with pedigree. There is so much shame, Lord, that we don't ever want any light to just expose of. But Lord, in that, may the gospel be a ray of hope. May, may Jesus, your son, be the light that we need in the midst of our darkness so that we would be understanding of your grace and that we would know your love more and that when we say, may we glorify you, it's not just a blanket statement to close our prayer, but it is true because you have brought much glory into our lives. So Lord, that is my prayer for us this morning. May you be with your people. We lift this time up to you. In your son's name we pray. Dear friends, receive now the benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who left his home in obedience to the Father to come get us. And the love of God, the Father Almighty, who would send his Son to take our place. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who reminds you of your new hope, your new identity, and your new agenda. May the blessing of this triune God be with you, both now and forevermore. Amen. Friends, hear now the words of dismissal. Let us go forth to serve the world as those who love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Go in peace, friends.